chapter 2 is because what chapter 2 does is that it shows us how sin entered the world through Adam and Eve. And it is a very valuable piece of information, the inspired word of God, that teaches us how we got in the situation that we're in. But where did sin come from? Why am I struggling with sin today? Why is sin such a big deal and a problem in my world and in the world that I live? Why is this, why is this world broken? So chapter 2 really comes in and helps us understand and answers those questions why we're in the situation that we're in um, today. Steve, I don't want to keep, I, I still have a ring. I don't know if anybody else hears that. Huh? All right, it's just me. Leave it alone. I'm all right with it. Um, but chapter 2 shows us that um, uh, sin entered this world. And Romans chapter 5 gives us an understanding of what he means by that. In Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as though some, one, through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. <coughs> so we understand in Genesis chapter 2 where sin came from. It entered in this world through Adam. Um, that's where it came from. And now it has spread to who? All of us. We as a church cannot call someone outside the church sinners um, without including ourselves in that mess because someone outside the church is a sinner, but we are sinners as well. That's who we are. We're sinners. <coughs> standing in need of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But the Garden of Eden is beautiful. And I know that you have seen flannel graphs of the Garden of Eden since the very beginning. Um, you've seen pretty pictures and, I, and wondered what that looks like and, and me and seeing that paradise of, of how that is. But what I want to focus on at the beginning is this. <coughs> what Adam and Eve look like? And what did the Garden of Eden Eve was it was it like before they sinned the Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 in verse 25 and they were both naked the man and his wife and were not ashamed why were they not ashamed because they were innocent man me and you really even struggle to understand what that word even means today um, because we live in such a guilty place and live such a guilty life and a guilt-driven life, innocence is so far away from us, we don't even really understand what that would be like. But they lived in paradise, in the Garden of Eden, without no sin, without no shame, without no guilt, without no um, sin that no one was ashamed of anything. It was just completely normal. For them, how they how paradise was, me and you have no idea what that would look like. I don't even know what a garden would look like without a weed, right? Um, we don't know. I mean, it, it's we've never seen something so beautiful such as that. But this is how they lived, and that's how they lived before they sinned. But even in the paradise, uh, without any sin, they still had instructions majority of us believe a, par a place of paradise, a place of utopia, a place of perfection would be a place where no one told me what to do. Well, I could do whatever I wanted to do and how I wanted to do that. But even in the Garden of Eden, 
while Adam and Eve had yet sinned, and we don't know how long that lasted, we don't know if it was a few minutes, a few days, or four years, some of us wouldn't even lasted a few minutes in the Garden of Eden. Um, some maybe less and more, I don't know. We have no idea what the time frame is on that. But what happened was they still had instructions given to them while they were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned and when they were in perfection. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15, And the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. That's the first job he had to do. And the Lord God commanded him, the man saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. In those three verses, we see the first and two instructions that were given to man in the Garden of Eden. <coughs> the first instruction was simply this. They had a job to do. That, this was a perfect environment, yet God still had them a job to do. Listen to this, please, and please allow this to apply to my life and apply to your life. No matter where you are at right now in your spiritual walk with the Lord, no matter if you're a newborn believer or been saved for 50 years or 100 years, um, no matter if you're in a good environment or a bad environment, God will always have a job for his children to do. Even in the garden, in a perfect environment, God gave them a job. They were to keep and tend and name and take care of all the animals and everything was. God did not allow them to sit back and do nothing, never. God had a lot in common with my dad. <laughs> my dad would come home after a long day of work, and, uh, we'd, and he'd walk up to the TV set and put his hand on a TV set. I'm like, what in the world are you doing? He's like, I want to know how long it's been since you turned off the TV. <laughs> and that crazy man could figure it out, too. He'd be like, you turned that off when I pulled in the driveway. I can tell. It's still warm. Right? He didn't want me to sit down and watch TV because he had, a, had chores for me to do. Right? He had a job for me to do. And listen, please, church. No matter where you're at right now as a born-again believer, if you're following Jesus Christ, he has a job for you to do. That's your ministry. That's what you're in to do it. And they had that job even in, that, in the Garden of Eden. But second is this. They also had something they could not do. We're all about things that we should do. We're okay with that sometimes. But God is also going to tell them there's something they're not allowed to do. We have do's and we have do nots. And when the Lord tells us something we need to do, we need to just go ahead and do it. And believe him and trust him that he's given us the job that we need to be doing. But also, when God tells us we're not supposed to be doing something, don't do it. That's as simple as it has to be. Um, we have do's and we also have do nots. And we have to do that. And he shared with Adam, you know what, you can eat of any tree in this garden. I mean, it's everywhere. You have everything you need in this garden. But this one tree, the tree of good and evil, you, you don't touch it. Don't, don't eat of it. And if you do eat of it, you will surely die. So he gave them a do not. Don't touch it. Whatever you do, just don't touch it. 
do anything else, eat, eat of any other tree, but just leave that one alone. But listen, temptation is real. We always point at kids saying, don't touch this, and they'll kill themselves trying to touch it. But you give any of us something we're not allowed to do, and we'll kill ourselves trying to do it. Why? Because temptation is real. And what happens is he uses food a lot. And I can see a lot of you all struggle with food. I, I really I can't understand that because I don't struggle with food very much. I just go ahead and eat it. Um, it's not much of a struggle, you know what I'm saying? Um, I probably need to struggle with food a little bit more than I, than, than I do. But I understand falling in that temptation. And something I learned overseas that I never knew, that we're the only country in the world that thinks that Adam and Eve ate an apple from the tree. When I first went overseas, I, I, was, I was teaching a class, and, and they said, well, it, it wasn't an apple, it was a quince. And I'm like, you mean the old guy that was uh, the detective on TV? <laughs> I, that's the only quince I knew, you know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, what are you talking about? A lot of y'all don't even know who that is, right? But um, they said, no, it was a quince. And here's one, it tried and it was the most beautiful fruit you've ever seen in your life. Um, it's golden yellow without any imperfections. It's just beautiful. It looks as tasty as anything, any fruit out there that you could possibly find. But then you grab a hold of it and take a bite of it, and it tastes just like cement. <laughs> it's as hard as a rock, and it has absolutely horrible taste, and you don't want anything of it. And I believe that was a fruit because that's what sin does. Sin looks as pretty as it can be, but then you grab hold of it and it breaks your teeth. It just wears you out and kills you, right? And, and that's what happens. So it, it might have been a quince. It might have been something else. Um, we don't know what it is, but what we do know was they fell into temptation because why? Because they had an attitude that many of us have. I can do whatever I want whenever I want to. Who are you to tell me what I can do? Where do you get off? And that's the attitude that many people live with at this moment in their life. And listen, Adam and Eve were so close to creation, they were the first ones. They did not forget that they were created by God. But yet they thought they could still do whatever they wanted to do, whenever they wanted to do. So here we are all these years after creation, and we're still struggling with the same thing Adam and Eve struggle with, that we think we can do whatever we want to do, and nobody has the right to tell me to do anything. But yet, God created them. And yes, he did have the right to tell them what to do and what not to do. And me and you must understand today, yes, God created me and you, and yes, he does have the right to tell us what to do and what not to do. And we have the accountability to listen to him. And the third thing that they struggled with is this. They, think, they thought God was holding back something from them. You know, if I eat that fruit, the devil said that I'd be just like who? God. I'd be as smart as him. I could do whatever I wanted to do. You know, Bob Ross, the famous painter that, that passed away way too early, um, he, he had a famous quote that said this, 
You can do anything you want to do. This is your world. And, and but you li got to listen to me a second. That's Bob Ross. He's, he's the painter. Do you remember that? He'd stand up at, the, at, the, at the, the paint thing and he'd say, hey, this is your world. Put a little happy tree over here. Remember that? Yeah, you put a, little, put a little happy mountain over here. You can just do whatever you want to. This, this, is, this is yours. You know, it's, and, I, and you'd like, no, I couldn't. If I put a happy tree over there, nobody would know it was a tree. You know, I couldn't do that. You know, there's no way I could do that. And he could do it, but I couldn't. But a lot of people today think this is their world. You can do whatever you want to do. But you know what? This ain't your world. It ain't my world. This is God's world. And not only did he create this world, he created me and you. And I don't have to do whatever I want to do. I get to do what he created me to do. And I want to do that which I was created to do. And to bring honor and glory to a holy, holy God. And the second thing I want to show you today is this. Adam and Eve were different after they sinned. Their lives changed completely. Verse 7 tells us in chapter 3, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. The sin that they committed of eating that fruit made them a sinner. Whatever fruit it was, a, a quince or an apple, it was the most expensive fruit ever eaten. It cost more than any other fruit ever cost. An uh, older preacher used to said it must have been a crab apple. Can you remember eating a crab apple? And you'd eat two or three of them or four of them, and you'd get an indigestion like none other. It would make you as sick as you could be. This preacher used to say it must have been a crab apple because there's been a bad case of indigestion ever since. Ever since that sin entered this world, we have all struggled because that's when our world broke. That's when our world went into chaos and struggled. That's because sin ended into that situation. The sin made them sinners. You know what? Before they ate of that fruit, they were not a sinner. They were innocent people walking with God. But now, they were not. And they became a sinner. In verse 8, it tells us this in chapter 3. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They had heard that sound since creation. We don't know the time frame. And they always enjoyed walking with the Lord in the cool of the evening. But now the Bible says, And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the, the trees of the garden. This sin made them ashamed. We can even look in the New Testament and see when Peter denied Christ three times and the rooster crowed and then Jesus looked upon him at that time. What he did was amazing. The Bible says he ran away and wept. Why did he leave Jesus? Why did he weep? What, what would happen? What happened? Because sin had made him ashamed. And the only thing he thought he could do was hide from Jesus Christ. 
Christ. That's the only thing that he thought he could do. That was with Adam and Eve. They were innocent, but then after they sinned, when they heard God for the first time, they were ashamed of their nakedness. They were ashamed of what they had done. So what they did, they ran from God and hid in the trees. Isn't it amazing that Peter, that Adam and Eve, that Chuck and you think you have the possibility this morning of running away from God Almighty and hiding in his trees? Whose trees are there? There's his. Where are you going to hide from God Almighty? Where are you going to go where he cannot find you? And that's what we think, that we could run and hide. But we can't. You know what? We live in a society that no longer feels shame. They don't feel shame of how they live. They don't feel shame of how they speak. They don't feel shame of what they do. And, and people say, where is the shame? Where is it? Why aren't you ashamed of how you're living? Why aren't you ashamed of what you're doing? Listen, the reason our society has no shame for sin is that they have no awareness of the presence of the Lord in their lives. Adam and Eve would have never felt shame if they had never heard the Lord. Peter felt shame when he heard what the Lord had said. Today, if you do not accept the presence of God and believe in the presence of God in your life, why in the world would you be ashamed of how you're living? But when you realize that you're standing before an almighty God and that he hears you and he's speaking to you, shame makes us run and hide from him. Why? Why is it? Because we have done something embarrassing. The reason that we're guilty, the reason that we're ashamed, ashamed of what we've done is because of what we've done. And we have a reason to be ashamed. But not only that, but sin made them scared to death. In verse 9 and 10 it says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He was afraid. Sin made a coward out of Adam and Eve. And they were too afraid to face God. Why were they afraid? Because when God gave them the instructions what to do and what not to do, he also gave them what was going to happen if they did eat of the tree. And the Bible says this, that God said that they would surely what? Die. So now they were scared to death. Why? Because they were going to face God's judgment for their sin. A fact that not one of us can ever get away from. Every son or daughter who has ever been born on the face of this earth. Listen, we will stand in front of God in judgment. Either you'll stand in God at the Bema seat with your sins forgiven, or you'll stand in the front great white throne judgment with your sins unforgiven and give account for how you have lived. And we have that, and that is an overwhelming fear. Why do many people fear death? Because they don't want to stand before God and answer how they lived. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. They were scared because they knew they stood in judgment for what they had done. 
And then the next thing is this. The sin that they made, <laughs> they had committed, made them do things that did not even make sense. Have you ever done something that never made, didn't even make sense? Didn't even make good sense. Look at what the Bible says in, in, in verse 7 of chapter 3, the second part. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Why in the world did they pick fig leaves and, and sew them together to make, make coverings? Why? Because that was the best they could figure out. Adam and Eve tried to cover their own sin the best way they can. Have you ever noticed when me and you try to cover up our, our sin, we can only do it the best way we can do it? And the best thing they could come up with was fig leaves. You know what? I'd have tried to do something better than that. You know what I'm saying? I, you, you could figure out something better than that because how long is a fig leaf going to last? You know what I'm saying? It couldn't last very, very long. Fall's coming, amen. Um, it's going to get bad here pretty soon. Right? Um, and you never know how long that's going to last in that, in that situation happen. But ever since then, man has been trying to cover his own sin, trying to hide his own sin from God. But God sees us where we are. And the best that man can offer is never good enough for God. Even if they would have bent down and, and figured something else out, it was never going to be a covering that was sufficient for the Lord God Almighty. But how was Adam and Eve finally covered? He didn't leave them in the fig leaves. And I'm so thankful he didn't. I, I'm so thankful he didn't leave them in the mess that they were in. But he provided for them. In Genesis chapter 3 and in verse 21, we, we see how they were covered. Verse 21 says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. What happened was this, the Lord they were naked, they were ashamed, so they, they found some fig leaves and tried to sew them together and make a makeshift bathing suit that we saw in our flannel graphs growing up. You know what I'm saying? In that situation, which was not going to work, it just does not, will not work. But God, aren't you thankful that when we try to do something, but God steps in and he takes care and he provides exactly what we need when we need it at that time. God today took the righteousness of Jesus and clothed us with his righteousness. Me and you today are walking around naked with absolutely no hope, no chance, no possibility. We had no righteousness of our own. We are as filthy rags. We are sinners. But God loved us so much that he did not want us walking around like that. So what he done has taken the righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, and clothed us with his righteousness, covered us with his righteousness. So what now we have is the coat of righteousness given to us by Christ Almighty. His righteousness has been imputed upon us for all who have believed in him. That's what he's done for us. He's closed us. He didn't leave us naked, uncovered because of the love he has for us. When the prodigal son got home and he was nasty, he smelled of pigs. He smelled of all the stuff that he had been doing this whole entire time. Scratched up, scarred up, 
And what did the father do? He took a new robe and he placed it upon his son. He covered, he covered his son. What today is this, is God has not left us naked, but he has covered us with his, rights, his son's righteousness. But what did that covering cost? Genesis 21 tells us um, the cost of that covering. It was an animal. The skins meant that an animal had to die and blood had been shed. I've preached about Noah's Ark many times and told people that um, it never rained before Noah's Ark. And everybody like, ooh, well, I mean, that's what we've always been taught. I'm not a weatherman today, nor was I a weatherman in Noah's day. But what happened is this. Before this, the Lord made these clothing, this clothing for Adam and Eve, no animal had, had yet perished in the garden. It's perfect. No blood had ever been shed in the garden. It was perfect. But because of the sin, God killed an animal and made clothing for Adam and Eve. God was stating that the fig leaves of our righteousness was not sufficient. Salvation could only come by the shedding of blood. In the New Testament, there's 290-some references to how much God loves us. And, man, I am so thankful that we know God loves us. I, I, I am so blessed of that. But there are over 1,300, 1,300 references to how me and you have the assurance of salvation because we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood is how our sins are washed away. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 says this, Without shedding of blood, there's no remission for sins. In a Sunday school class years ago, uh, a, little, a teacher was asking a, a young, uh, their class, uh, is, is there anything God cannot see? And, you know, the teacher was trying to bring him to the point that God is an omniscient, an all-knowing, all-seeing God and is able to see absolutely everything. And one little boy in the, in the classroom and said, yes, um, I'm sure of it. There's something that God cannot see. And the teacher said, well, I don't think so, but what is it that God cannot see? And this is what the young man said. He cannot see my sins that are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what happened when what Christ did for us upon a cross of Calvary. His sins covered us completely. And that's why our sins are cast as far as the east is from the west. That's why we are white in Christ Jesus. But why did Adam and Eve need this covering? Why do me and you need to have our sins forgiven? Why do we need to have our sins covered by the blood of Jesus Christ? Because before they sinned, they could stand with God and walk with God. But after their sin, they were running from God, afraid of God, and ashamed of themselves. So they had to be covered 
so that they could stand in the presence of God Almighty, that they could walk with the Lord like they did before. Today, the gospel is the good news. And we don't preach a sermon without bringing in the gospel to the good news. Someone always asks the question, do you want the bad news first or do you want the good news first? I, almost everybody in this room has a, has a method of how you want to work that out. If you want the, someone to share bad news with you or do you want someone to share the good news with you first? But listen, the bad news always comes first. That's, now, that's not how, how I work it. Well, you know what? That's how the Bible works it. Bad news always comes first, and the good news only comes after the bad news. Why? The bad news comes first. That's sin. That's the mistake. That's dropping the ball. That's missing the mark. That's eating the fruit that you wasn't supposed to eat of. But then the good news comes. Salvation. God saving you from your sins. God forgiving you of your sins. I want to read to you Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. Genesis 3, 3 verse 15 says this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is God speaking to the devil. And between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The word that we want to, to look at, and I, I missed it there, we'll have to go back a picture, is, is, a, is we're going to have a test after this in church, and you're going to have to spell it for me, is proto-evangelium. Proto-evangelium. Let's say that together. No, I'm joking. Um, and what it means is this, the first gospel. The first gospel. When the bad news came, was that they sinned and came short of the glory of God. The bad news came and they ate the fruit that they were not supposed to eat from. So now they were going to surely die. That's the bad news. You made a mistake and now you're going to die. Judgment is here. It's over. That's bad news. But as soon as the bad news came, God had already planned the good news. It was not an afterthought. Oh, now what are we going to do? Let's figure this out. The plan was always was the proto-evangelium. The king is coming. And in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, he says this. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Listen, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The heel of Christ was bruised as he was placed upon the cross of Calvary because of what had happened. But what happened when Christ resurrected from the grave is he defeated death. He crushed the head of the devil. He destroyed the devil and all of hell at that time. Now, O oh death, where is your sting? O oh grave, where is your victory? It's been swallowed up by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's what happened. He crushed the devil's head, defeating him forever. The Proto-Evangelium shows us that God always had a plan for salvation, and he informed us of this plan as soon as sin entered into the world. He did not wait 
150,000 years. He did not wait no time. As soon as the fall happened, he said, I have a way, and coming into this earth is Jesus, the Savior of the world. The gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior today. That's what we have. And what has happened, sin has came into this world and caused more pain than anything that has ever caused any kind of pain whatsoever. If you follow on in verse 16, verse 16 talks to the women. And I don't want to upset any woman here this morning, but you, get, you all get to go first on what happens in the cause of sin coming into this world. The very first thing he tells us in verse 16 is that there's going to be pain at childbirth. And now there's a lot of women in this room today who's had babies, and you all can just go ahead and say amen. If we say amen, right, you don't know. You know, you have no idea what I went through. You know, I'm, that's not my wife. She don't talk like that. Um, but we, I don't know, but you all know. And you young ladies coming up, you know what? I bet it ain't a walk in a park. You know what I'm saying? Um, someone told us the other day that, that um, having a kidney stone pass was about like having um, a baby. Um, and, and I don't know. We've never had neither one of them. Praise Jesus. Amen. But I had an elderly man in church and say, you know what? That's not true. Um, uh, kidney stones are much worse. And his point was very valuable because he said that he had never heard a man say after nine months of having a, uh, uh, a kidney stone saying, you know what, I'd really like to have another one of those. <laughs> so he has a very good, valuable point, you know what I'm saying? Uh, that it's, it, it's, not, it's much worse, but I don't know. But first thing, because of sin coming in this world, is going to be a struggle at childbirth. But the second thing that most of us don't see, and I honestly never really pay it, paid attention to it, the second thing is that, that a woman will have a desire to control her husband. And just like every childbirth is going to be painful, every lady has a desire to be the head of the household. And you say, well, that's not true. That's what the Bible says. And it's going to be a struggle. Why? Because we're always fighting against how things are supposed to be. You understand why we don't have peace in our hearts? You understand why we don't have the, the harmony that we, we need and we want every day? Is because we're not doing the things the way they're supposed to be able to be done. God set up an order. And he allowed that order to be known to all people. And we can embrace that or we can fight against that. And you get to choose that just like we get to choose everything. But it's, a, it's a, a, a cause that comes from the sin. And then he looks at the man, and, and he looks at the man, and he said, because of sin coming in this world today, is, is you're going to have to earn everything you make by the sweat of your brow. Ain't nothing going to come easy. Um, this world, this, this garden is going to be cursed, and it's going to be hard work taking care of all these things. So we understand that sin is not something innocent that we can just laugh at and, and push by or something of that nature, but it's something that's horrible. It's something that has put us in a situation that we should not even be in. But because we live in this broken world, that's how we live. And I am so thankful. That's the bad news is. But the good news is that Christ is not allowing us, don't want us to stay in the sin that we're in, but he is offering to us all salvation, free for all who would believe in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What an invitation today to be able to do that because the ground is cursed and we will live in the, uh, by sweat of our brow. But hey, today salvation 
has given every single one of us an opportunity to have an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. Just like Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day with God when they were innocent, before they sinned. Today, because of the gospel, because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, what me and you get to do is to walk with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, even in the cool of the evening. Not because of how good we are, but because of how great he is. Because we've been covered by his blood. What's happening today is this. When you sin and I sin, there's going to be a price that has to be paid for that sin. And we have to stand before that in one day and be held accountable for that. I was overseas a couple weeks ago and was in Corinth. And we got to stand in front of what's called the Bema seat, the Bema. And that's the place of judgment for the city of Corinth. Paul had to stand in front of Bema for all the mistakes that they said he made of preaching the gospel and, 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 and misleading the people of Corinth. And I got a picture of that if it's on there. Maybe it'll be the next one or something. Um, and when you see that, it's so wild because you stand in front of this big wall and the, you're at the bottom of it and you're looking up and the person, the judge, Galliot, would be standing up there and you're standing down below and he's reading to you all the what you're held accountable for, the mistakes you've made. You're standing before judgment. And you're standing beside that white pole right there on the ground. And after he's read, read the judgment to you, um, and he passes judgment, they lay you over top of that pole. It's about three foot tall. And when you lay on top of it, your back would be completely exposed. And because the judgment would be how many lashes you're going to take right there for what you have done to pay for the mistake that you that you made so you'd lay there and, they, and if you had done something that would take 10 lashes or 30 lashes or whatever it was that's where you received your judgment at that point but what's so beautiful about that today is this the bad news is that we've made a mistake and that we've sinned but the good news is that Christ paid for that mistake. And what did he do? He took the punishment of all of sin, of everyone, all of our sin, upon his shoulders on the cross of Calvary. And every beating that me and you deserved because of our mistakes, he took them for us. And that blood that he lost that day at Calvary covered our sins and he placed upon us all who have believed that robe of righteousness we didn't have any righteousness of our own but he gave us his righteousness today by believing upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ we understand what salvation is we've been saved from our sins
And now we get to walk with the Lord just like Adam and Eve got to walk with the Lord back in the day when there was no sin. We get to walk with the Lord in the cool of the evening because of Christ and what he's done for us. He prepared a way for salvation. Sin's the bad news, but salvation in Christ Jesus is the good. If you've never believed upon Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, today is the day of salvation. If you today are a born-again believer and you have strayed away and walked far from God, the good news is that his arms are wide open and he says, come unto me, all you are heavy laden and burdened, and I, I will give you rest. He is always offering come home come home today Lord God we'd ask Lord that you would help us Lord just like Adam and Eve Lord we made a mistake and I, we don't know how long Adam and Eve made it in the garden some people say seven years and some people say it wasn't even a week and we have no idea but Lord I don't know how long I would have made it in the garden without sinning probably wouldn't been long at all because I'm a sinner. And I'm so thankful that that's not how it ends with the bad news. I'm so thankful that you have given us the good news. That you sent your only begotten son to die on a cross for our sins. And anybody who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Lord, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that he died on the cross for our sins. Thank you that he was buried in that borrowed tomb. And I thank you, Lord, that on that third day he rose again and he crushed the devil's head. He defeated death that day. And today, for all of us who believe in him, we too have everlasting life. Lord, thank you for the salvation that you offer. Lord, if there be someone here today, I pray, Lord, that you, through your Holy Spirit, would draw them to yourself. In Jesus' precious name, we do pray.